topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the host and their guests and not those of W4CS Radio, its employees, or affiliates. W4CS makes no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Support Network on W4CS.com. Any health-related information on the following show provides general information only. Content presented on any show by any host or guest should not be substituted for a doctor's advice. Always consult your physician before beginning any new diet, exercise, or treatment program. Welcome to Five to Thrive Live. I'm Dr. Lisa Schuler, and I co-host Five to Thrive Live with my good friend Carolyn Gazella, who is not with us tonight. I will be hosting the show solo, and I am very much looking forward to the show. But before we start, if you've missed any of our prior shows, such as last week's show, which was with Carolyn and our guests Julia and Sean Bandell, they were talking about personal fitness, and uh, I think they kind of explained CrossFit a bit. Don't worry if you want to catch up on all of that good stuff, because you can do it on iHeartRadio. Just go to iHeartRadio, and if you haven't already signed in, you'll need to sign in, and then just search 5 to Thrive Live, and there you will find us. You can also find our past shows on our website, which is www.ithriveplan.com. And before I go much further, I would also like to thank our sponsors, who are Cetria Glutathione, Cognizance Acetylcholine, and the iThrive Plan. We appreciate our sponsors very much. Okay, so to tonight. Tonight is going to be, I think, a very important show and something I hear about or talk about with my patients all the time, which is finding you after cancer. And our guest tonight is Dr. Shani Fox, and she's going to share her insights into this topic, which I think, as I said, is quite important. There is nothing quite as transformative as a cancer diagnosis, and there's a lot of... uh, of shifts and of perspective and situations, circumstances that change and can be really an opportunity. So Dr. Shawnee Fox is going to help take us through that. Dr. Fox helps cancer survivors get back in charge of their health and build their confidence so they can make the most of every day of their lives. She is an naturopathic doctor. She's also a certified life mastery coach, and she is the author of The Cancer Survivor's Fear First Aid Kit, She's a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post and to NOU, which is the magazine of the Women's Women Survivors Alliance. So welcome to the show, Dr. Fox. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. So you know what? Before we get into the topic per se, I want to ask a little bit more about you. Uh, you devote your clinical practice to helping people. Obviously, you've been diagnosed with cancer, and there's something that you say in your bio, which I didn't read, but you say you help people build resilience against future illness and leverage the hard-won wisdom of their cancer experience 
to create a life that's peaceful, joyful, and deeply fulfilling. So what led you to this particular focus in your work as a naturopathic doctor and a health coach? Well, like you, I'm a naturopathic doctor, and we both know that the naturopathic toolkit, which of course is about expertise in lifestyle fundamentally as medicine, you know, what we eat, how we move, or are we able to sleep, et cetera, and, and, and then delving into the things that support those, those facets of life. We, we know that that medicine is very powerful in the arena of cancer survivorship, and we actually do a really good job of helping people get their bodies ticking again after the stresses of, of cancer treatment. The cancer may be gone, but the recovery is often overlooked by Western medicine, and naturopathic medicine is really wonderful for filling in that gap. However, even what I was noticing is that even as I help people recover and, and get back to a, a nice state of physical wellness, a lot of them were still behaving as if they were still not well. And when I began to delve into that a little bit, what I discovered is that even though their bodies were ticking along and doing really nicely, their mind and their spirit, their emotions were slower to heal. There was a lot of anxiety in the population, a lot of fear in the population, and I realized these cannot be ignored. You know, these, these are an integral part of the experience, and being that we believe as naturopathic physicians that mind and body are essentially one entity, they affect each other, what, what goes wrong in the body affects the state of our mind and vice versa. If our mind isn't at peace, it can affect the wellness of our body. I, I felt it was my job to be able to support people or at least offer them something that could really support the healing of their emotions and spirit so that they would not, for that reason, be vulnerable to future illness. Mm-hmm. So this must have really added a, a, quite a fulfilling dimension to your to your practice, yes? It, it does. It does. I find this aspect of the healing very, very fascinating. Uh, it's not just about my, my fascination with it. It's really about the deeper aspects of wellness. Um, you know, I, I really think this work has profound implications for the patients of quality of life. They're going to live more thoughtfully and deliberately going forward, and, and I'm grateful to be able to support them in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and I think I would agree with that. When, when we can reach somebody and uh, be a part of their healing on a mind, body, and spirit perspective, then that's really where the magic happens. So, exactly. we're gonna yeah. So we're gonna learn more about how you do that. It is time for our first break. So when we come back, Dr. Fox and I will continue this conversation. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Attention all cancer survivors, are you ready to thrive? Hello, I'm Dr. Lee Sauschuler. And I'm Carolyn Gazella, and we are the creators of the new iThrive Cancer Survivor Online Wellness Plan. iThrive creates an individualized wellness plan specifically based on your health needs. We focus on five key areas to improve your health. Diet, movement, environment, rejuvenation, and spirit. After completing a short survey, an individualized iThrive plan will be created just for you. Your plan will contain recommended, interactive, interesting, and innovative action steps in these five key areas of lifestyle. 
The iThrive plan will help you to recover from cancer treatment, reduce your risk of recurrence, and to achieve optimal wellness. In other words, it will help you thrive. For more information about the iThrive plan, visit www.ithriveplan.com. That's iThrivePlan.com. Check it out today and receive a special time-limited offer. Visit www.iThrivePlan.com today. It's time to thrive, everyone. We are constantly being bombarded by toxins in the air we breathe, water we drink, and even the foods we eat. So what's the answer? Glutathione. It's inside every cell in your body and protects you from the damage of oxidative stress and toxins. There's a special patented form of glutathione that is superior called Cetria. Cetria is pure, vegetarian, and allergen-free. Help replenish your body's reserves of this very important nutrient, detoxified a natural way. Visit cetriaglutathione.com. That's cetriaglutathione.com. Live, I'm Dr. Lisa Schuler, and I am here with our guest, Dr. Shawnee Fox, and we're talking about finding you after cancer. So, Dr. Fox, let's talk about finding yourself. I guess the first question is, has someone been lost? In a way, yes. I mean, fundamentally, no, but it's, there's a perception of loss of self. You know, the mm-hmm. cancer experience entails so much loss. You know, a person may lose body parts, body function. They may have losses within their relationships. There may be uh, work, workplace losses or financial losses. And all of this can add up to a sense of, gosh, I'm less than I was before cancer. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of questions can arise, you know, well, who am I now? You know, what am I worth now? I, I don't even recognize myself now. Where is that person that I was? So, so yes, I think there's a fundamental uh, uh, blow to the identity for many people mm-hmm. through these various and, aspects of the loss. Yeah, I think I would agree. I would agree. I think that actually is very well stated. But, you know, what, um, so there are many other chronic illnesses and diagnoses that people receive, some of which I think do generate that same sense of loss. But it seems as though cancer, a diagnosis of cancer, much more often generates this sense of loss of self. Why do you think that this happens? Well, I, I think it begins as an unintended consequence of cancer diagnosis and treatment, the way we do it now, the, the, the typical person's experience is, is frankly very disempowering. You get a cancer diagnosis, and typically it's a great shock. It's in itself a trauma. And because there's a sense of urgency, and, and oftentimes there is, people are rushed into treatment before that shock has been absorbed or, or thought through or digested, and sometimes even under the sense of do this or else. So there's a, a great levying of fear sometimes around that moment and a person is left to deal with a shock which is not really dealt with within the process often there's not even time to ask enough questions to to have your values and preferences considered and 
so it's a rigorously structured experience that doesn't always allow for the expression of the individual within it. You're just given basically instructions when to show up, what to do. Of course, it's important, but the individual tends to take second place to the, the structure of the experience itself, the treatment itself. And then, of course, what happens at the end of treatment is all that structure within a moment evaporates. You know, you finish chemo, radiation, and often there's a little celebration, which is merited. Of course, that's important. But all of a sudden, all the people that supported you through that process are no longer available to you because they're, they're, they're on to the next patient and their treatment. And people are, well, not only fatigued and not feeling well, but emotionally, they're not really prepared yet to face their lives again because somebody else has been calling the shots all this time. And they find themselves at a loss of not really knowing to, to whom or where to turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting and I think uh, very true. So um, not something I, I actually haven't really thought about it quite in the way that you described it, but it does make a lot of sense. So when they, um, you know, when people finish treatment, I often describe it as, because people have described it to me, as, as if they feel like they've been kind of pushed patted on the back but they are now standing on the edge of a cliff looking down into this abyss of their life mm-hmm. and wondering mm-hmm. oh, how the heck am I going to you know jump into this so how how have you seen this loss of self impact people's lives after they're finished with their treatment of cancer so first of all as i mentioned earlier what i notice is the emotional recovery can often lag far behind the physical physical recovery Mm-hmm. And I think really what's happening here is that our old assumptions about life, you know, what kept life predictable and safe, all our old assumptions have been crushed in that moment of, of all of a sudden I have this diagnosis, which the day before I didn't really know I had, essentially. So there's a loss of, you know, worldview, loss of identity. And, and, and this whole, the result of it is that I describe it as you, people get disconnected from their inner compass. So the assumptions that they used to make about what kept them things predictable and safe, all of a sudden those are not there anymore. It's as if you're out at sea, you're sailing along, there's a big storm, and you lose your compass in the middle of the storm. You come out of the storm, and the storm does pass, but you come out of it, you have no idea which way you're facing, which way you're supposed to go. And so a situation like that gives rise to a lot of overwhelm, a lot of fear. People feel very vulnerable, both physically and emotionally, and they may be or feeling at least disconnected from their own resourcefulness or just too tired or overwhelmed to access it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> I love that metaphor of losing your compass in the middle of a storm. It's very apt. And I think, you know, one of the first places, the most, one of the first tangible places that this loss of, of sense and loss of direction manifests is in one's relationships because it's really through our relationships that we find our place in the world. So what have you seen um, happen when people, in terms of relationships after somebody goes through cancer like this? Well, what happens is, well, first of all, there's that common phenomenon that, you know, even people who are wonderfully supportive during the treatment Often, when the treatment is over, they tend to think, oh, that, well, that's it. It's over. And the support, that support often falls away, too, because people, friends, family now we're talking about are, are assuming, oh, well, it's done. You know, she's, she's good now. Back to normal. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the survivor realizes that a lot has been left unhealed so far. Uh, a, this is it's not even close to over. And yet they're hearing often from people in their immediate circle, well, how come you're not over this yet? You know, aren't you back to normal, or why not, why not just pretend it's normal? You know, let's, let's, let's just be normal. And it's, it's not possible. So much has happened. 
it takes a while to integrate all that, to absorb all that, because it didn't happen up to this point. So, and, and the survivor, you know, is, is left with a sense, well, something may still be wrong, or it could still go wrong. So this inner message within the survivor of, no, I'm no, nowhere near done, doesn't match the, the messages they're getting from the outside, which is, you're done, and things are great. Right. And right. that can lead to isolation and tension and even despair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that uh, I would add to that list confusion, really, and bewilderment sure. as far as sure. where where they're supposed to go. So um, are there, like for for you, I'm sure you can kind of identify this and people fairly readily, but for our listeners who may have gone through uh, treatment and are kind of on the other side or emerging from the other side or maybe just still in the midst of treatment, are there any things that they could be observant of in in themselves that could indicate that they're maybe beginning to experience a loss of self? And I, I'm asking the question in this way because I think sometimes also there's there can be a little bit of um, denial or uh, disassociation that occurs, which is actually mm-hmm. a very great survival mechanism. So people may not be as attuned to this happening as, as they otherwise would be. So what, what would be some things somebody could look for in themselves that would indicate a loss, this kind of loss is happening? First of all, that thoughts about the past, the, 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 the most difficult parts of the experience, keep coming back and intruding on the uh, calm of everyday life despite efforts to avoid them. So I totally agree with you that, let's say, distraction or sometimes denial can be helpful in the short term just to sort of put it aside and get on with life for a while. But it's a short-term strategy for sure. And if, if these thoughts, you know, especially if they become sort of obsessive and, and, and fearful and the person is starting to feel like they're living under a black cloud, that, that's a sign that something deeper, some deeper work is needed to stop that cycle so that, you know, it, it's understandable that we remember something which was so vivid for us, but when it really starts to impact the quality of everyday life as fear or anxiety, that is, uh, and, and we don't have good strategies to, to calm it and go on, um, uh, sustainable strategies, I should say, to calm it and go on, that, that's a sign. There's also a sense in some people of being damaged or broken, that's certainly not where we want to leave people, and, and, and we have, you know, that's something which I, I, I feel for them, and yet it's, a, it's really a sign that something needs to be addressed there because we don't want that to remain their impression of themselves. It's a very disempowering way to view yourself. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, a lot of people have a hard time making decisions. Um, you know, I, I, I see people, for example, you know, after breast cancer, these days it's very common to recommend in certain situations long, long-term maintenance medication, five years, ten years, and these medications have, of course, research behind them, but they also have a lot of side effects, and women can get very uncomfortable, and so they find themselves with choices. Do I continue the medication? Do I not continue the medication? And some of them will, will just find themselves um, on a treadmill around this decision, just cannot seem to, 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 to find a, uh, make a choice around this. Mm-hmm. So a hard time making significant decisions is another sign. And I would often also say that generalized anxiety, which is a sense of helplessness or, or powerlessness, that that's actually very common, more common in cancer survivors than in the general population. It's estimated about forty to sixty percent. And if generalized anxiety, which by the way, to, it's an, it's I would almost call it a normal consequence of the trauma that happened. But if it persists, then this type of work is warranted. That we we look deeper underneath and then find what the underlying conflicts are. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I think you're probably a a bit unusual in your in that people seek you 
because they're aware that they want kind of a whole, you know, mind-body medicine approach to their situation. But that being said, if somebody is seeing you because they feel tired, because they, uh, you know, their digestive system isn't working as well as it could, they don't sleep as well, so they're not really identifying these underlying issues, how do you work in this kind of assessment into your um, your you know your interview with them it's part of every patient assessment that I do so of course they'll come in with whatever is bothering them at the moment um, you know the fatigue or, or whatever other symptom it is and that's great we talk about that but I always in good naturopathic tradition ask about what else is going on in their life um, it, how, how are they functioning how are they managing are they enjoying life what do they do for fun? <laughs> you know, I, I ask all, all, all sorts of questions which may not seem to be related, but which actually are very indicative of, of what's going on in the emotional sphere. Just, just looking for how people spend their days. You know, I'm look, what I'm looking for is, you know, is there flexibility there? Is there, uh, is, it, is there time devoted to wellness? In other words, is there attention being paid to things like exercise or nutrition? Not in a strict way, but the fact that the person feels enough in control that they're, they're doing that. So that's a sign of, of, of empowerment developing. If a person's having real trouble for that, it's a bit of a red flag that they, they probably know, you know they should be doing this, but they're not managing to do it. So that would be one way I'd, I'd, I'd start exploring further. I'm going to ask what's causing them stress lately, what's stressful in your life. Uh, depending what's identified, that, that very well could be the portal to, to identifying underlying issues like this. And like I said, what do you do for fun? You know, a person who is quite anxious often forgets that fun is actually a really important part of everyday life and, and, and will not be including it in their, in their daily life. And, and if that, that's a red flag to me. I, I want people yeah. having fun. Absolutely. I would say that in the land of fun is where they'll find their compass that they lost way back when. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so um, if somebody is suffering from a loss of self in the ways that you've described, how does that change your work with them? Does it um, move up into, like, do you feel like you have to work through some of that before you work, can work through anything else? Or does it become the top priority or do you address it in whatever else you do? Or how, how does it affect what you do? Well, I'm, if a person comes in with physical issues, we'll certainly address those first. I mean, that, that's meeting the patient where they're at. But having done that and having asked some of these questions, if I see any red flags that uh, more work is, is merited in the emotion and spirit realm, then I'm going to help elevate that and, and, and help someone recognize, the, first of all, just even reflect on how that's affecting them, how it's impacting them currently, and what's possible for them in this field. Um, you know, I, I think of this as, you know, if an earthquake causes a building to fall down, then we, recovery does not mean returning to baseline in that case. Mm-hmm. We don't build exactly the same building we had before, and we don't want to live between, beneath the rubble either. We want to recalibrate. We want to find out what made the building vulnerable, and as we rebuild it, we want to rebuild it so it has greater resilience. And this is true, of course, on the physical level, but also on the emotional level. And in doing so, what we're going to do is extract the learning from this experience or the meaning from this experience, and the resulting the results, whether it's a building or the survivor after cancer, we're going to end up with a result that's more secure uh, and often more, I don't say more beautiful uh, because we're all beautiful to begin with, but we we see more of the person's beauty in the process. And Mm -hmm. this is actually a process called post-traumatic growth. Hmm. 
So is that sounds like it's, uh, it's an approach that's been researched and validated or codified in some way? Indeed, indeed. Post-traumatic growth is something that's become an intense area of interest in the last probably oh, 15 to 20 years, but in the last 10 years, we've got lots and lots of research happening on post-traumatic growth after any kind of trauma, but also even around cancer uh, in, in, in particular. And what we're finding, the research is, is demonstrating quite clearly, actually, that, that self-leadership and post-traumatic growth, which means, again, finding your compass and learning to operate from your own compass rather than having the results of the trauma operate you, this is all associated with a higher quality of life in cancer survivors, and it also predicts outcomes of mental well-being. In other words, less anxiety, less depression, greater calm and peace of mind. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of learn a little bit about your secret sauce. So if you are have recognized <clears throat> symptoms of this loss of self and uh, you're engaged in a, a therapeutic relationship with the patient that in which the patient is open to engaging in strategies to try to recover their, their sense of self, what's the first step? H- how do you initiate the process? The first thing I generally do is help the patient understand that vulnerability is not equal to weakness. You know, in our society, we do not value vulnerability, that's for sure. We, we, mm-hmm. any, any sign of weakness, we tend to want to hide it. And that requires an awful lot of our energy. And what I try to help people understand is that it's okay. We do not need to run from vulnerability. Distress is not a disease. Distress is, is a very understandable consequence of all that's happened. And so we want to just learn not to run away from it and instead just to learn to say, okay, all right, that's what's happening. Now that's, that's actually understandable and it's fine. We're going to, of course, move forward from there, but we do not have to pretend it's not there for anybody else's sake, especially. And so just that understanding that it's okay where they're at, this is not a wrong consequence. In fact, it's an expected consequence of where they've been that I think is a very important first step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think absolutely. So really validating their reaction as appropriate and even, I would argue, um, protective. I mean, they've just been through an incredibly traumatic experience. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's very human nature to kind of gather your resources tight and try to, you know, hunker down until you can figure out what the next step is. So that awareness sounds like a critical first step. And um, once somebody is in that sense of awareness and acceptance, I suppose you could say, what, where do you attempt to go next? What's the next phase of things? So the next phase is to help people realize that for all the ramifications of the cancer experience, and there are many, there's an essential part of them that actually has not been touched by the cancer. There's a part of them that's still, the essence of them is still alive and it's well, and it's waiting for a chance to express itself. You know, emotionally, this whole experience feels like a roller coaster, of course. Um, you know, all these, this, you know, news coming from every which way, some of it's good, some of it's not so good, lots to cope with at a very rapid clip. And if we try to deal with it at that level, at the level of the emotions, it's going to be hard because we keep getting tossed around every, every which way. And so what I remind everybody about is that so yes feel the emotions they're valid they're valid 
But in order to move from this place where everything feels so uncertain and so confusing, what we need to do is take some perspective on the emotions, move back away from the emotions a little bit, and remember that the, the worthy person you are, the whole soul that you are, is still there. It's been through a very difficult experience, but it's still there. One way I get people to, to see this is to say, well, depending what their, uh, their approach to spirituality is, I'll say, you know, how does the universe see you now? Or for some people, they'll hear, how does God see you right now? And they'll, they'll realize that, yeah, they're seeing it from inside. It feels very confusing. But if I go up to the level, like a helicopter view, if you will, and look down, it, God does not want me to remain you know, confused or overwhelmed. God would love to see me heal. The universe would love to see me heal. And so this question becomes not how do I deal with these things coming at me a million miles a minute, but what am I meant to do or see in this situation? And that's where we start to take back the thoughts from I'm being battered to, wait a minute, I, I, I can see myself and I can start to see that, well, you know, actually, uh, chances are that the, the God of the universe would love me to be well. And so the question is, what can I do now to just help further that aim? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I love the sequence so far. We've, we've talked about, you know, the first step, just being awareness. And, and I think rolled up into that is some level of acceptance of, of the fact that their distress is is okay and normal. And then from there, moving into this, instead of, a you know, being a victim of the situation, actually stepping into, okay, well, who who am I in this world and what am I meant to be and do and uh, to really regain a sense of agency in their lives. I think that's so, so powerful and important. And then what, what do you see that people do from there? What, where do you guide them next once they have kind of taken on this sense of control? So the, the thoughts that I, I can, I, I'm taking back my thoughts rather than having them buffeted around by emotions. This is, this can lead to reflection, uh, in fact, deliberate reflection, or in technical terms it's called rumination, but it's deliberate reflection on the experience, controlled reflection that starts with you. This is the key. This is the portal to this post-traumatic growth. This is how we head towards an, a new understanding of the story. Yes, it was hard. Certainly it was hard. We don't have to deny that. And there are other dimensions to it from which we can transform ourselves. We can take the best of what we learned and, and, and take it forward. You know, people, cancer survivors tell me all the time, gosh, I didn't realize how strong I was. I, I had no idea I could get through something like that. Well, it's, it's going back and, and reflecting and saying, gee, yes, I really was very strong. Even though I hurt, it was painful, it was hard, I worried. But nevertheless, I really found some kind of strength in myself to get through this. Well, now we can say, okay, what else could I possibly do with that strength? If I'm willing to remember that, what else could I do with that strength and the wisdom that I used, that just innate wisdom that I used to just get myself through this? What, what else could I do with my life if I were to bring that to bear? And mm-hmm. so we get this reflective process, which then I guide them from that into action. You know, then it's okay. So, so now you're getting that. You're seeing these beautiful, the strength is with within yourself. What would that look like every day? And we start with just baby steps. You know, what's one thing I could do today to reflect that I'm living now from a place of I'm stepping forward into life rather than I'm afraid of something's going to get me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that um, that is 
great. I mean, that's where the great was totally underwhelming, but the, it's really that's where the transformative part of cancer can be. And I think cancer can, in fact, be a transformative experience. And I think it's right there. You hit it right on the nose where you can take this rediscovered sense of self, reconnect with your you know your power and your your might and your beauty and then to find out where you want to put that in the world and how you want that to show up um that's yeah and when people when you see people do that it's just so gratifying so what what have you found you know in addition to your very fine guidance what have you found really supports survivors in finding more of themselves you know kind of going through this process are there other resources or circumstances or tools that you think people benefit from? Yes, and in fact, research has, has supported all this too. That's actually where the focus of research is, is what supports this process, this post-traumatic growth. And so a few things have come out of that research. Number one, I think it starts with the validation of the actual experience and its consequences, and that often is found in, in contact with other survivors. In other words, just being around other people who just get it, who, who really understand where, where you've been and, and what the consequences have been for you is, is one thing that just is very supportive. It's like just a, a it puts a foundation under everything that's going to happen later, just knowing that I'm not alone. This happened to other people. Yes, we get each other. We, we really hear each other. So that's the beginning. Self-expression is really, really important. Now, this is really interesting because it's important for cancer survivors to express their emotions, and all emotions are valid. There's nothing wrong with expressing emotions. And expressing emotions alone does not create post-traumatic growth. It does not mm-hmm. set off this process. It, it, it's, it's valid and it's important, but then we need to explore what's behind the emotions. What needs are there that are causing these emotions? What over-unfulfilled needs, I should say, are there causing these emotions? And that's where we start to find the impact and the meaning. Uh, what, what, it, what is it that we need that has us frustrated, angry, uh, fearful, whatever it is, sad, grieving? All valid, but we have to go beneath that in order to, be, to really set the process off. Mm-hmm. We want open-ended support for this. So, in other words, whoever is guiding the person through this process cannot be prescribing things. This is something where you have to allow the person to discover their own way, and you're just going to keep the process moving forward. So there's not going to be any absolute answers here. We just have to make sure that emotion is becoming expression and expression is becoming meaning, etc. We have to just, and, and that's becoming action. We have to keep the process moving forward, but we never want to prescribe how it's going to turn out. It must be an open-ended type of support here. And the, the final thing, which actually is, is, is validated by research, very informative, it's a role model. Mm-hmm. Having a role model who has dealt with some sort of trauma on their own and gotten through it and found meaning, that is going to be the most effective person to lead this pro- to the survivor through this process. Interestingly, it does not have to be another cancer survivor. I, I call this a Sherpa. It's somebody who's climbed the mountain already before and-, and can help you deal with the uncertainty. So it could be a survivor of another kind of trauma, but the idea that somebody's holding your hand who has been through it on their own flesh and made it, terrifically powerful and one of the greatest predictors of the growth that can happen here. 
Hmm. Yeah, fascinating. Well, we want to learn more from you, so we are going to do that. It is time for our final break. Stay with us. When I come back, I will continue this great conversation with Dr. Shawnee Fox about finding you after cancer. Attention all cancer survivors, are you ready to thrive? Hello, I'm Dr. Lisa Schuler, And I'm Carolyn Gazella, and we are the creators of the new iThrive Cancer Survivor Online Wellness Plan. iThrive creates an individualized wellness plan specifically based on your health needs. We focus on five key areas to improve your health. Diet, movement, environment, rejuvenation, and spirit. After completing a short survey, an individualized iThrive plan will be created just for you. Your plan will contain recommended, interactive, interesting, and innovative action steps in these five key areas of lifestyle. The iThrive plan will help you to recover from cancer treatment, reduce your risk of recurrence, and to achieve optimal wellness. In other words, it will help you thrive. For more information about the iThrive plan, visit www.ithriveplan.com. That's ithriveplan.com. Check it out today and receive a special time-limited offer. Visit www.ithriveplan.com today. It's time to thrive, everyone. Are you interested in boosting your brain power? So am I. This is Carolyn Gazella, co-host of 5 to Thrive Live, and I'm here to tell you about a supplement that I take. The human brain needs a lot of nutrition to stay focused throughout the day. Citicoline naturally enhances energy-producing centers within the brain. Cognizant delivers a clinically tested, patented form of citicoline that supplies your brain with the energy it needs to stay sharp. Look for Cognizant on the label, or for more information, visit Cognizant.com. That's Cognizant.com. Welcome back to 5 to Thrive Live. I'm Dr. Lisa Schuler, and I am here with Dr. Shani Fox. We're talking about rediscovering you after cancer. And Dr. Fox has just laid out not only, I think, the reality of, of the need for this, but uh, really normalized the experience of finding a loss of self that people finding themselves you know, having lost a sense of self, I should say, uh, that many people diagnosed with cancer experience and then has really been very eloquent in describing a process by which people can rediscover themselves. So I'm wondering, Dr. Fox, since this is clearly something that you focus on, are most people who've been diagnosed with cancer and who have experienced a loss of self successful at finding themselves after cancer? You know, I think, just speaking from my own experience, I think the most uh, essential element here is simply a willingness, simply a willingness. If, if a person is willing to allow themselves to be vulnerable for a little bit and then proceed down the steps that we talked before about, then this is possible for absolutely anybody. If a person is sort of pulled through the experience, 
it's going to be less successful. So it, it's really a matter of people wanting and being willing to do it. I, I really believe that with willingness, anybody can experience this post-traumatic growth. You know, we find in the general population that, um, you know, anywhere from, you know, maybe 8 to 15 percent will, will do this on their own. If they're supported, that often will go up to like 50, 60, 70 percent, you know, depending on the study. So, so we, we find a really big difference in uh, whether this happens on its own just over time. It may happen to some degree over time, but its process is more streamlined and more supported and more successful, in fact, if, if uh, a person is willing and, and finds the, the handhold that they need to get through this. And that would be specifically a, somebody trained, like a counselor, a, a health coach, or somebody who has training in this, or do you mean supported even by a role model or by a family member or any and all of those? It could be any and all. Family support is really important. And by the way, you know, research is, is now starting to branch out into fostering post-traumatic growth in the caretakers, in the family members. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful studies right now, let's say, about parents of young cancer survivors getting the parents involved. So it's actually being seen as something which is a worthwhile journey, not just for the survivor, but also for the family members. So yes, yes to that. And as I mentioned before, one of the greatest predictors of success is having a role model. So not, I mean, certainly a person who's, who's got some professional qualifications, but also who has some life experience that is related to this. And th- that, that is a powerful, powerful motivator and, um, and, and, and predictor of success. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that sounds like really kind of critical, actually. So when somebody embarks on this, you know, what strikes me too about this process is that it's not like, for example, some people, when they begin therapeutic counseling, there's a little hesitation because there's this sense of, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to go back and dredge up all this painful stuff that's happened to me. And so, so, so there's, you know, sort of some mixed motivation there. But with this process, as you've described it, it sounds like it's pretty positive and almost, dare I say, fun from the beginning. And so I'm wondering if I'm right, first of all, that you see this as a very uh, enjoyable, expansive process from the beginning. And then what happens as pe- what have you seen unfold as people go through this process? Well, I think ultimately it's something that people never regret doing. I, I, I really believe that people in retrospect, always see the value. Of course, as in life, you know, anything worth doing is going to have its challenges to it. That's how we grow, in fact. And so, yes, it will involve, I wouldn't say dredging up, but we, we, we cannot ignore, for example, the tough emotions that go around this experience. It's part and parcel of the process. We, we, we have to uh, be willing, we have to stop running from them and turn around and be able to dialogue with them in order for them to transform and stop being as dreadful as they, they looked at one point in time. So, um, so yes, it's a, it's a, in the course of the process, it all integrates and, and it stops being such a, such a monster out there, uh, which we're all mm-hmm. afraid to face. And it, it sounds like people are, it does sound like people are, though, I would say, the way that you've kind of built this, that they're going back, they're digging up some of these things, but they're empowering themselves in the process. So it's not a deconstructive process as much as it is a rebuilding process. Absolutely. And, of course, as I, we've talked about already several times, you know, I, I'm standing right now next to them. So they're absolutely not doing this alone. They, they really right. need to have somebody right next to them, whether it's family or professional or, or whoever, having somebody right there with you. Uh, who's ready to put their arm around your shoulder when it, you know, the going gets a little rough is a real critical and important part of the process and, of course, helps it move forward successfully. Mm-hmm. 
And, and then I think you were about to say what, what a survivor can look forward to as a result of all this work. Exactly. That's a, that's a really valuable question that you asked, and so I didn't want to overlook it. And so what I would say is, first of all, greater optimism. You know, again, what I often encounter, too often encounter, is survivors who just can't quite adopt the belief or really, really, really believe in their soul that, gosh, I do have a you know, health and healthy future ahead of me. I really, I really can be well. I don't have to keep looking over my shoulder you know, fearfully. Um, I, I can go ahead and make my plans and, 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 and do what I really want to be doing in life. So that confidence and optimism that I can go forward with that, you know, whether or not I've had cancer, um, that, that's one of the lovely results of this process, is that sense of confidence and optimism. Another one is, I think that one of the most difficult situations that life presents us is the one I described earlier in this broadcast where you're feeling one way on the inside and the world has given you another message and you're having to hold on to that tension, you know, sort of put on a face for the world, even though you know, for example, something's not okay. That is a, a terrific use of, <laughs> tremendous use of our, our, our resources, our, our emotional resources. And so when that tension melts, and we find our compass again, and we're creating our life and our, our days, you know, not to mention the rest of our life, according to what we really want them to be like, rather than have because of an overhanging worry about cancer, let's say. As we melt that tension and we're, we're the ones directing our own lives, we simply walk more confidently in the world. We, we, we're directed by our inner strength, that inner compass, and a sense of our own value. We recoup that sense of our own value, which cancer can so often break down so badly. Mm-hmm. So there's the ability to enjoy life again, to feel like, you, you know, you're, yeah, this is the right thing to be doing. I'm not doing it despite cancer. I'm doing it because that's the way life is. That's the way I want my life to be. To, yeah. to dream again, to, to, to adopt some purpose, to be of service, to make a contribution. A lot of things which people are afraid often to, to get started with because of the sense that, oh, well, what if cancer comes back? Well, we move that to the side and we forge forward. We, we find the energy to, to go forward, you know, step by step with, with a life that means something to us and people around us. And that's the final uh, thing I would mention is that, you know, when rather than feeling like you're perpetually kind of behind the curve because you've had cancer, because there's been loss, when you get back in your own center and find yourself and more of yourself again, and you live from there, unintentionally, without doing anything extra, you actually become sort of a beacon you know, there's a lot of people who haven't had cancer who are walking around in this world not fully empowered, and they're, they're afraid to make their plans, too. And both other cancer survivors and even people in general, we're drawn to people who act from their real essence and from their dreams for themselves and for other people. So it actually yeah. creates a ripple effect in the world without the survivor having to intentionally create that. That's actually what happens. So it's beautiful for you, and it's beautiful for the people around you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is fantastic uh, visual to end on. And Dr. Fox, you're clearly a wealth of information and inspiration about this topic. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Do you have a website that you can share? I certainly do. My website is drshanifox.com, www.drshanifox.com. And right on the homepage of that website, there's actually a little free gift it's very short, but it can be powerful in getting this process started. It's called the Cancer Survivor's Manifesto, and it's just uh, something to just show you, you know, where you've been and where, what the possibilities are for you. So that's a great place to start, and you're welcome to explore the rest of the website as well. Well, great. Thank you so very much for not only your time tonight, but for all the wonderful work that you do with people who have been through the diagnosis of cancer. Really appreciate you. 
And listeners, of course, I appreciate you as well. And be sure to join Carolyn next week. She will be hosting Laura Pohl and Carolyn O'Toole. These are two fabulous women. And I have the good pleasure of knowing them and having worked with them just a bit. They are, uh, it, they train people to do integrative cancer navigation. And uh, they're going to spend some time talking about that. They're going to highlight the integrative oncology navigation training that they do at the Smith Center for Healing and the Arts. Just fabulous duo, an amazing thing that they're bringing into the world of cancer. So really a show that you're not going to want to miss. And in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your evening. May you experience joy, laughter, and love. It's time to thrive, everyone. Have a great night. <laughs>